evening. Good to see each one of you in the Lord's house tonight. Would you stand with me, please? And let's turn to page 462 as we begin our service tonight. Page number 462, Higher Ground. We'll sing all four verses as we begin. Page number 462. Sing it out on the first. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand. My faith on heaven's stable land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts rise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's stable land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled, for faith has caught the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand, by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven I found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Amen. Great start tonight. Well, we sure need that higher ground. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, tonight. Open up our services. Certainly be much in prayer uh, for not only in here, but our teen class, as well as our kids' classes and our bus ministry and those kind of things. Brother John Ellis, would you pray for us tonight? should be seated uh, tonight. I did just want to mention a couple of things uh, coming up. Of course, this coming uh, Friday uh, is our uh, uh, softball and kickball games, and that, of course, is uh, with our uh, Faith Baptist School, and so uh, that'll be at 5 o'clock in the evening over on the uh, softball field, and so if you have kids uh, participating in that, certainly want to be here for that, but uh, uh, all in any are uh, more than welcome 
uh, to come. It's a good time watching. It's a good time watching kickball. That looks like herding cats out there. Amen. Uh, but then uh, it's a blessing though to watch our young people uh, and uh, have a great time uh, in the Lord. And so that'll be uh, this coming Friday. And then of course uh, Saturday we have two things going on. Uh, certainly our churchwide outreach, and that's at 10:30 in the morning. That'll be over in the fellowship hall. And we are preparing for our fall revival here in a couple of weeks. And so uh, going to be doing quite a bit of canvassing and things like that. And so if you could help us out with that, we would sure appreciate uh, that. And then, of course, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon is a memorial service for Sister Carolyn Moore that went home to be with the Lord uh, last week. And so certainly pray for her family, uh, Brother Michael, and certainly good to have Brother James and Miss Carrie here uh, tonight. And just a real blessing uh, there, but again, that's at two o'clock. That'll be here at the church, and so, uh, uh, but do uh, continue to pray uh, for that. And then, of course, in October, October the eighth through the thirteenth is our fall revival this year uh, with uh, Brother Dean Herring, who pastors the uh, South Valley Baptist Church there in Kuna, uh, Idaho. He is a dear friend and a good preacher, and you all will be blessed uh, by him. I, I know, and so he's going to be here. We will also be hosting the Assurance Trio from Heartland Baptist Bible College on Sunday, and so they're going to be with us Sunday morning and Sunday night uh, as well. And so our, our Sunday services are just going to be at our regular times. I think the only thing that will be different is that in the evening we won't have our Bible study at 6 o'clock. We'll just have a regular evening service at 6.30, and then Monday through Friday uh, is, is at 7 o'clock. And I know we'll have some flyers and things like that available. And if you've got maybe some friends or family, neighbors, or whatever you want to invite, uh, we certainly want to encourage them uh, to be here. And then trust that you've been fasting and praying. Uh, this week has been meals. And so uh, if you just kind of encourage you to either skip, you know, maybe a meal every day or, or maybe a couple of meals, or maybe you want to take the whole day and fast, or however you want to do it, however the Lord leads you. Uh, to do it, and so I want to encourage you uh, to do that. I know we've been doing uh, lunch uh, this week and uh, been skipping that and uh, eating supper. And I told Natalie, I said, I don't, I don't think I can make it to nine thirty tonight to supper time. You better, we better eat supper before church. And so she made chili, and I'm totally regretting that decision uh, tonight. And uh, but uh, we'll we'll find out if chili will preach or not. Amen. Uh, so, uh, but uh, anyways, those are the things that are coming up, and so uh, do continue to uh, fast and, and pray, and then of course uh, Sunday, uh, beginning Sunday, will be our TV uh, and entertainment and things like that, so I want to encourage you again to participate in that, it's just something about, and I know, listen, there's power in prayer, but there's something about fasting and praying, and it's, it's just a real blessing to be able to seek the Lord, and so encouraged by those that have been participating in it. And want to certainly encourage you uh, to do that. All right, if we have, if you have your prayer list uh, tonight, let's go ahead and get those out. And do have some things I just want to uh, encourage you uh, to pray for tonight. Uh, certainly, again, the revival meeting that's on there. Uh, the Moore family I mentioned. Uh, there, there's also uh, Miss Shelley Alderson, her family. And, uh, and then the Sorello family, that's uh, Brother um, uh, Gary Clark's uh, grandnephew uh, that passed away. And uh, just a real tragic uh, situation there. And certainly pray for those families uh, that are grieving. On the health side of things, if you would, continue to pray for Brother Randy uh, Crawford uh, dealing with MS, as well as uh, Miss Jerry Crawford 
and certainly a host of uh, different ones there. I do actually have some uh, that we need to add on there uh, tonight, and so if you want to add these on, uh, good to see Brother Donnie and Miss Marilyn Carr here tonight. If you would have Brother Donnie Carr on there uh, for skin cancer and uh, going through some treatment uh, with that, and so pray for him. I know he would appreciate uh, that. Also, uh, Brother Don Katanik, uh, I meant to add this on there and forgot, but if you would add Brother Don Katanik's mom on there. Uh, she fell, I believe it was about a week and a half ago, and uh, broke her hip. Uh, she is doing okay. She doesn't have to have surgery, uh, but they are putting her, they, or they already have uh, put her in a uh, nursing home uh, to get the rehabilitation uh, that she needs, and so pray for her. And then also, and I don't know if this has been mentioned or not, and I haven't gotten an update, but our missionaries to the Philippines, Lance and Leah Patterson, uh, Leah and their son Ethan were involved in a car accident, and that was about a week and a half ago. Uh, I remember being here on Sunday night after the service, and Brother Tim brought the email in. It was kind of an emergency email and asked to pray. He said that, you know, uh, his wife and son had gotten a car wreck, and Ethan called him to let him know and said something about mom had a big gash on her head, and then the phone disconnected. So as you can imagine, uh, that left him in uh, disarray. But uh, thankfully, as far as I know, mom and son are doing okay. But I know that they would appreciate uh, prayer for that. And then lastly, if you would, add uh, Miss Ginger uh, Sexton on there with an unspoken. uh, And certainly continue to pray for their family, for Rodney, their son, uh, and the loss of his wife. And I know they would appreciate uh, that. Anybody have a uh, prayer request tonight or an update or anything like that? Uh, and be in fact, I got one, and then I'll get you, Brother Raymer. I meant to mention this uh, tonight, but uh, on the first column down towards the bottom is uh, Carrie Sheely, and that is a friend of David and, and Sherry Griffin's that had brain cancer, and I believe she's a mom and got several kids. Is that right? And so it was a real uh, very dim outlook. And she got her test back, and there is no cancer. So glory, hallelujah on that. So we can leave her on there for sight. Uh, but like I, that's, this is what I said, I'd, I'd, I'd lose an eyeball for that. Amen. Uh, but uh, do pray uh, for her, and uh, what a blessing that is. But certainly I know, I bet she's got a lot of little kids at home very excited about that uh, report. And so, but do pray for the whole, uh, eyesight thing. And, and certainly that God would give grace in that. So, Brother Raymer, you had uh, your hand up, brother. Praise the Lord. Okay. And so that was Miss Martha Palmer fell and broke her hip, and uh, she's doing okay. So that's a blessing there. Praise the Lord. Okay. Anybody else tonight? Okay, Miss, Miss Sue. Okay. Okay. Sure. 
All right, so let's add on there uh, Brother Clarence uh, Sexton and, uh, and then also continue to pray for little Maddie Owens and a little three-year-old young lady going through a pretty rare leukemia situation, and so pray for uh, that and certainly hoping that those treatments will not affect her body uh, in the negative sense and sickness and things, but will certainly work against the leukemia there, so pray for that. Anybody else tonight have a prayer request? Okay, Ms. Kristen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about that? Wow, that's a blessing there. So that's Will Waller on the second column, second one down there. A uh, little baby born with a rare uh, disease called Minx disease, and they typically don't live uh, very long when they have that. And so we can take him off the prayer list. He's responding to everything really well and doing really good. So another glory, hallelujah, amen. So amen. All right, uh, Brother Matt. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I take it you're talking about Ethan and not Josh that you're confident in. Okay, so... Amen. Amen. All right. So let's pray for Brother Matt. Amen. So let's pray for Brother Matt, Miss Whitney, for travel uh, mercies, and, and pray for Ethan that he maintains control. Amen. All right. Okay, Brother Steve. Okay. Well, I was getting that way, so I just, you raise your hand. All right. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, yes, yes. Josiah Brown. So that's uh, Josiah Browning and spinal, what was that? Spinal bifida. And uh, so let's pray for him and some of the health issues that he's dealing with on that. Okay, Brother Parker. He's young. He can do it. So, I said, he's young. He can do it. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. <laughs> so, amen. I'm, amen. Yes, sir. All right, so let's uh, do continue to pray for uh, Brother Jack and Miss Lizzie and the traveling there, and then also let's add on there Ronnie uh, Rice with liver cancer. Okay, anybody else uh, tonight? All right, Miss Carrie. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So let's pray for that funeral service. And there are, and I'm, I'm certainly, uh, Jody and, and Lane are on my prayer list, uh, personal prayer list, and pray for them each week. And so, um, you know, people need to hear the gospel and need to be saved. And uh, 
I don't, this is the thing that bothers me why we don't have funeral services anymore. You know, Solomon, you know, in Ecclesiastes said you, you get a lot more from a service or, a, you know, being at the graveside than you do at the birth. And uh, so, and I, I'm just paraphrasing the, the verse there, but uh, I'm just telling you, uh, that's an opportunity for people to be confronted with their own mortality and their need for the gospel. So, no doubt about it. So, certainly would covet your prayers uh, as I uh, uh, get to preach, and uh, certainly want to preach the gospel. I want to be clear, uh, but certainly have God's boldness and, and power. So, uh, and I'd appreciate it if some of you are here to maybe say amen too. Amen. So, all right. Anybody else uh, tonight? All right. Well, our men uh, come ahead tonight, and uh, do continue to pray for Brother John uh, Ellis and uh, the house housing uh, situation. And you know what? It's just getting closer and closer to fall revival. And so there's just seems like a lot more uh, spiritual warfare and things that you hear about and and um, and stuff like that. I was driving home uh, yesterday, and Natalie called me and said, I need you to come pick me up. I'm at the Gardner Post Office, and my car died. And I thought, well, that's revival. Don't freak out. That's revival. At least she didn't tear the door handle off the car. Amen. And uh, got it uh, home and uh, uh, took the battery out because that seemed to be what was the problem. Went and had it tested and checked, and sure enough, it had failed. And the guy looked it up in the computer and said, hey, good news, it's under warranty. It'll be no charge. And I went, glory, hallelujah. That's revival right there. Amen. That's what I need. Amen. That's, amen. Brother Will uh, Kennedy, would you pray for us uh, tonight? Yes, what a blessing. Let's turn to page number 80, if you would, and stand one last time together. I'm thankful that we have a Lord that cares about us, loves us, and promises to keep us safe as we go throughout our day-to-day life. Amen. 
page number 80, day by day. We'll sing all three verses for our last song together tonight. Sing it out on the first. Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Every day, the Lord himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares he faint would bear and cheer me. He whose name is Counselor and Power. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. As thy days, thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he made. Help me then in every tribulation so to trust thy promises O Lord that I lose not faith's sweet consolation offered me within thy holy word help me Lord when toil and trouble meeting ere to take as from a father's hand one by one, the days, the moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land. Amen. Wonderful singing together tonight. Remain standing. Let's get our Bibles ready for the message tonight. Faithful, amen. Well, First Timothy tonight and uh, chapter... Uh, number one, First Timothy tonight, and, and chapter uh, number one, and we're actually going to finish uh, the first chapter uh, tonight. We have started the pastoral epistles, I guess maybe about two months ago, and then I haven't been here for on Wednesday night in about a month, amen, uh, but uh, you know, I, somebody said something about a guest preacher tonight, and so I guess that'd be me, amen. Uh, but First Timothy in chapter number one. Now, if you remember, all right, First Timothy. The theme for the book is this: sound doctrine. All right, that that's the theme. All right, now sound means healthy. All right, so so sound doctrine is healthy doctrine. All right, this is why Paul, or I'm sorry, Paul left uh, Timothy at Ephesus, and and he says there in verse number ten. To, to confront anything that is contrary to sound doctrine, healthy doctrine. Healthy doctrine produces healthy believers, and healthy believers make up a healthy church. All right, and so Timothy was left at Ephesus to establish this sound doctrine. Now, if you remember in the last message, we saw basically what is the foundation of all sound doctrine. Now, look down. In verse number 15, Paul says this to Timothy, 
This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. All right, and here it is. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. All right, so that's the foundation. Listen, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And if he can save the cheapest of sinners, who is the Apostle Paul, then he can save anybody. All right, you understand that the moment, now watch this, the moment a church changes direction and begins to say, well, you need to do some work in order to be saved. Or, well, you know, God predestined some to heaven and predestined some to hell, like Calvinism. Let, let, me, let, me, let me help you with this. That is unhealthy doctrine. And that will kill a church. It will destroy a, a church. And by the way, that's exactly what is happening in our day and time. We got a lot of sick and unhealthy and dying churches in America. And I'm saying to you tonight, I don't want Faith Baptist to be that way. I want us to be healthy and on fire for God. And, and well, that's going to take sound doctrine. So tonight, we come to verse number 18. So let's look at verse number 18. So Paul has laid it out here. I want you to establish sound doctrine. The foundation for that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then in verse number 18, he says this, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went on before thee, that thou mightest war a good warfare. Listen, us Baptists, we like a good fight. Well, here you go. You want to have a good fight, fight over sound doctrine. Stand for sound doctrine. Jude said it like this, contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. So here he says, war a good warfare. And he goes on to say, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, having made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenus and Alexander, whom I delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So Paul ends this chapter here with Timothy by giving him this charge, which really means a command, and the command is this, war a good warfare. Why, why would Paul say that? Well, here's why. If there is sound doctrine, then that must also mean there is false doctrine. And you and I are called to war against it. And, and, and if you stop warring against it, then you'll eventually compromise and give in to it. And, and what he's saying to Timothy is this, that's not what you need, nor is that what the church at Ephesus needs. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this, as pastor of Faith Baptist Church, that's not what I need, nor is that what this church needs. Rather, we need to war a good warfare. So that's what we're going to look at tonight, warring a good warfare. And I believe we'll see some things tonight that will help us uh, with this. Father, would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? I was trying to actually think of something that would maybe illustrate two opposing forces. I don't hope this illustration kind of goes over better than maybe what I have in my mind. But I, I can remember when I was a kid and we were going through science class and even uh, took some physics classes and things like that. I don't want to talk about it too much because then the kids will be bringing me homework in the school. <clears throat> but I can remember this, that they brought... We, we were doing an experiment on magnets, and I, I didn't realize this as a kid, 
that a magnet has uh, two different poles on it. It has two uh, sides to it, a north and a south, or a positive and a negative, however you want to look at it. And, and what, I, what we begin to realize was that when you try to stick two magnets together, the poles have to be opposite of one another. Uh, if not, if you have two magnets and the same two poles trying to line up with one another, what they will do is that they will consistently repel uh, one another. They will never join together. It's, like, it's, it's kind of like this. They, they are two opposing forces that will never come together. And what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that maybe we could say it like this. Just as in the physical realm, that there are two opposing forces like that that will never come together. I would say to you like, like this, there are also opposing forces that, should, that, that can never come together in the spiritual realm. Um, um, let, let me give you some, just some examples. He, here's one, the spirit and the flesh. Th- those are opposing forces. Paul said to the church at Galatia, he said, for the, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. He said this, and these are contrary one to another. So, so that you cannot do the things that, that you would. In, in other words, they don't, listen, they're, they're two opposing forces. You can't do both of them at the same time. They're, they're polar uh, opposites. They're, they're not the same things, nor do they produce the same things. In fact, Paul would say it like this in the book of Romans that we've been going through on Sunday mornings. He would give his own personal example and basically kind of say it like this. You know, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And he would also go on to say this. That, that, that I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, listen to this, warring against the law of my mind. He's talking about that warring there and those two opposing forces. Here, here's another one. Uh, the world and God are opposing forces. Now, now you understand when I say world, I realize this, for God so loved the world. Talking about mankind and his need to be saved and sending his only begotten son, but when I say world... Here I'm talking about the world system and all of those things. Christ would say it like this. You cannot serve God and mammon. You know what he's saying? He's saying this. Those are two opposing forces that are at odds with one another. They're opposite with one another. In fact, James would say it like this. He would say, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, friend, that's pretty, that's pretty point blank, isn't it? But what he's saying is this, is that when it comes to the world system and our great God, those two things are to be opposite of one another. They're opposing one another. You can't take the things of the world and join them with the things of God. It doesn't work that way. That's why Paul would, would challenge the Corinthians to come out from among them, saith the Lord, and be ye separate. And the end result of that is this, that, that you will receive, that you will get God as your father. Friend, that's a good trade right there, isn't it? To turn away from the things of the world so that we can walk with our God. Listen, we understand tonight those truths and those things. But, but what I'm saying is this, like those magnets, the way in which the war is lost is when those two areas in, in the child of God's life, when we give up and we switch sides. 
and mercy, then we come together with the flesh and the world, and we begin to be opposed to following Jesus Christ in the Spirit. You understand what, what I'm trying to get a, a kind of illustrate to you tonight or maybe explain it to you like this is to say this, that Paul's message to Timothy in this first epistle has been basically this. There is another opposing force in the spiritual realm. It is false doctrine and sound doctrine. You, you understand what I'm saying? And, and these two are, listen, they're opposites of one another. They do not go together. And now we find Paul encouraging Timothy with this command to say this, Timothy, these are opposites of one another, and I want you to war a good warfare. In other words, you cannot stop fighting this cause. You cannot bend and you cannot compromise, and you cannot give in, and you cannot turn, because the moment that you do is the moment you've embraced false doctrine rather than sound doctrine. Timothy, I, I understand. Timothy, I understand that we want everybody to get along. We want everybody to come together. I realize that, but there are some things where you have to draw the line, friend, and doctrine is one of those things. And that is exactly what Paul is telling Timothy, because I'm telling you, friend, you give the devil an inch and he'll take a mile. And it's the same way with false doctrine. If you allow one little thing to slide or slip, the next thing you know, it begins to creep in and come in into the house of God, and it begins to build unhealthy people in an unhealthy church in Ephesus. The reality is what Paul was warning of here is happening in churches today all throughout our country. I, I thought about this, and I've said this quite often in ministry, but listen, churches today, you understand, they're not folding up in America due to the outside pressures. You, you understand persecution and things like politics and the liquor crowd and uh, all of that stuff. No, 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 I'm telling you, what's happening is a lot of them are being eat up from the inside out with false doctrine. That's what, listen, the devil knows this. Please listen to this. If you can't destroy a tree from the outside with a woodpecker, you can send the termites on the inside and chew it up from the inside out. And that's exactly what he's doing with churches today across this country. All of a sudden, some pastor starts reading some book outside of the book. And he starts listening to some podcast or watching some YouTube channel. And he buys into false doctrine. And, and listen, and it's not... It's not it's not much, and it's not blatant. It's, it's a little slide towards the false doctrine side of things. That, that's how it always works, isn't it? And then, you know, you know all of a sudden, he kind of he slips it into one of his messages. You, you know, and then, then he begins to put it in his conversations with his people, trying to trying to kind of coerce the people to sliding along uh, with him. And, and you'll, have, you'll have a few who, who will recognize the, the red flags and, and the terminology and those kind of things, and they'll say, wait a minute. And, and they might come to the pastor and go, hey, can we talk to you about this? Something that you said 
the, the other night. And, and of course, and he'll try to talk with them, but they'll, they'll begin to realize some things and they'll begin, they'll, they'll say, well, you know, we're, we don't want any part of that. And so they leave the church. But then as they leave, they're labeled as dissenters by the pastor and those who are beginning to move with him. And as time goes on, there's more sliding and there's more sliding. And before you know it, watch this, there's a different version being used in the pulpit. And all of a sudden, the music's starting to change. In fact, the decor in the, in the building is kind of becoming darker. I'm so sick of that stuff, man. Uh, listen, I remember the nightclub scene and, and the honky-tonks and things like that. That's what they look like. I don't think God's house ought to look like that. I think it ought to be bright and, and light and li- uh, lit and where we can see everybody. You understand? It's just crazy. The, the things that are going on. But you understand that, that listen, and the next thing you know, this church becomes, it, that once stood on the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Word of God, it's become unhealthy, it's become worldly, it's become fleshly, and you've got to listen to this tonight. Please listen to this. When stuff like that happens, what I described to you is, is probably the stuff that has happened or is happening right now to a multitude of churches in America. And you need to grab a hold of this tonight. Listen to this. When those kind of things happen, that is not just the pastor's fault. It's not just the pastor's fault. It's the people of God's fault too. Somebody should have called them out. Somebody should have confronted them. Somebody should have stopped them. Somebody should have known enough to know what they believe and why they believe it to go, hey, wait a minute, that's not right. Because please listen to this tonight. Yes, I realize there is pastoral authority. I understand that. But you realize that, that, that there is also church authority tonight. And that the people of God should have stood up and said, hey, that's not the direction that we're going in. We're staying with the old paths in the Bible. I remember hearing a testimony a while back from a, a preacher friend over in the uh, St. Louis area. And he had uh, retired and had, had brought a guy in, hired a guy and, and kind of, you know, let him learn the ropes of ministry under him and, and uh, was kind of helping him along. And then he uh, would step away and retire and step back and start traveling out and going through evangelism and things like that. And so this young man took the work from him, good, strong, hard-preaching, Bible-believing Baptist church. And the young man started leading the church in the wrong direction. And the people of God stood up and said, hey, that's not who we are, man. And the guy had to leave. And they had to find another pastor, to which I would say, good. That's what needs to happen. We've got these slithering snakes getting into the pulpit and ruining good churches. When really good churches need to stand up and go, that's not who we are. Amen. So if y'all looking at me tonight and all quiet, I'm just telling you, yeah, we need to be that way. No, 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 I'm not saying that I'm planning on sliding or slipping or anything like that. But the moment that anybody gets up in, any, in this pulpit or in a Sunday school class and they're using an NIV or a NASB or whatever other version of the Bible, friend, I'm telling you, somebody needs to stand up and go, that is not right. And if the man of God stands up and says it's not right, then the people of God need to get behind the man of God. And we need a war of good warfare. And so you understand what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that I don't want to see Faith Baptist Church end up in those things. I want to see, listen, if the Lord tarries, and I don't know how long that is, I believe we're close, we are certainly close, but as the Lord tarries, I want to see Faith Baptist Church 
standing on the Word of God like we always have. Like we always have. All right, so how do we, how do, we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Getting a little wound up tonight. You guys are being too quiet. So how do we do that? Well, here's how you do that. You need to understand this. We're called to war a good warfare. We're called. Look at what he says in verse number 18. He says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went, on, which went before on thee, that thou mightest war a good warfare. Now, it's interesting when you look at this verse, really the center phrase of it. So he says, This charge I commit unto thee, Timothy. And then he says this, According to the prophecies which went on before on thee, that thou mightest war a good warfare. So that center phrase, according to the prophecies which went on before thee, that's pretty much the importance of this verse right here in the sense that, you know, it's pretty obvious that the two other, the command, the charge, and, and to war a good warfare, both of those things stem on that phrase right there. He says, Timothy, I'm commanding you, I'm charging you, I'm charging you to war a good warfare, but here's the thing. It's according to the prophecies which went on before thee. So, so, so here's the thing. When you start looking at this, what you'll find is that commentators kind of bounce all over the place, but I'm glad that we know what the Bible says. Scripture interprets Scripture. And what's interesting is that if you go over to chapter number 4, and you look at verse number 14, it says this, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, which is really preaching, preaching the Word of God, with the laying on of, of the hands of the presbytery, okay? And, and really what this is, so this, according to the prophecy which went on before thee, he, re, he refers to it there, the prophecy on thee. What this is talking about is it's referencing Timothy's call to preach on his life. That's what it's talking about. reason he mentions the prophecies which went on before thee is because this is something that can often be seen in a young man's life before he himself figures it out. It's amazing how that is when you, I mean, listen, it, it is almost prophetic in nature. Um, when, when, when God was dealing with me about uh, preaching there in, in the panhandle of Florida, and I, I, finally, <clears throat> I finally surrendered, I, I called Natalie that afternoon. I was at work. It was actually uh, that morning. And uh, I called Natalie, and I said, hey, and I said, before I chicken out on this thing, I'm calling you to give account that I surrendered to preach this morning. And she goes, that's awesome, babe. And I'm glad, I'm glad she was, that was her response. A lot of ladies would be like, uh-oh. But that was her response. Praise the Lord. All right. And, and so we agreed. We, we, we had talked on the phone, and we said, okay, when I get off work this evening, um, we're going to go and meet with our pastor, which was her, her grandfather at the time. And I said, we're going to let him know. Because, you know, I want him to know he's my pastor. And so that night I got off work and I came home and I cleaned up and we went over to her grandfather's house, which was our pastor. And I sat down in the living room and I said, Pastor, I, ha I said, I have something to tell you. And he goes, let me guess, God called you to preach. And I went, really? You just got to steal my thunder like that, old man? You know? No, I just, I didn't do that. I, I was like, what? How did you know? And he goes, well, you could kind of see it. And he was right. I, I just couldn't see it. I was too busy wrestling with God, not willing to give up everything. And 
I'm just telling you, and I've, and I've seen other young men do, do the very same thing where you can see where God's doing a work and, and, and you're just waiting, you know, you're praying and letting God, and, and I will say this, I, I will say that I'm very thankful that even though he recognized it and he knew it, he never said anything, he just prayed and he let God do the work because I'm glad that I can stand here today and say I am God called and not man called. And I'm very grateful for that. And I've always approached it in that way as well. And so I'm very thankful. But what I'm trying to get across to you is this. Is that the point of this passage, that's the point of this passage. It's what Paul is referencing to in Timothy's life. What he's saying is this. Is that Timothy, as the word of God was preached unto you, and the spirit of God began to deal with you, it made it clear that God was calling you to preach his word. And if God called you, he, to, preach, to preach God's Word, then, then here's the thing. If God called you, then preach God's Word. Not somebody else's Word. Not somebody else's. And last time I checked, God hadn't changed His Word. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus is the Word. And He's not changed it, friend. Now, and I realize, you know, you and I are looking at this tonight, and we're going, oh, Man, that guy, I mean, I was, I was kind of worried, preacher. You saw about a calling, but this is talking about Timothy, and he's, he's called to preach, and I'm, I'm not called to preach. So, hey, this morning, a good warfare, this has nothing to do with me. Well, yeah, it does. See, I, I, I do understand that tonight. I understand that there are specific callings and things like the call to preach and the call to the mission field and, and all of that stuff and the call to, I, I understand that. But I also understand that there is, there is the general application that if you're saved tonight, we're all called. That's right. and, and, and the reason that I can say that is, well, here's, here's a big reason why. Because it won't just be the preacher that deals with false doctrine in his life. That's right. It's going to be you too. That's right. And if you don't learn to war a good warfare, warfare over this thing, then I'm just telling you, friend... You're going to be susceptible to it just like anybody else. And, and here's the thing. The prophecies in general are just the Old Testament scriptures that Paul and Timothy had and preached at the time. And, and by the way, they make it very clear that where the truth is, the devil is always right there to twist it or throw shade on it with his lies. And it wasn't just God's men that were called to oppose them. It was all of God's people. So like Timothy, here's what I would say to you tonight. I would say one of the things that you need to do tonight is this. You, you know, you've got sound doctrine and you've got false doctrine. You need to pick a side. No, I, I, I know we're all, you know, we're here on Wednesday night and everybody go, well, pfft. I mean, that's sound doctrine. Well, lip service, yeah. But what are you listening to? What, what are you reading? What are you watching? Is anybody, is anybody getting this? No, no, what I'm saying to you is this. You need, to, you need to pick a side, and preferably God's side. And this is what Timothy did when he answered the call. In answering, he stepped into the role of the man of God whose responsibility is to preach the Word of God and oppose false doctrine. This is what men of God have done down through the ages, Moses and, and Samuel and Elijah and Jeremiah and so on. And Timothy now joins the ranks 
And what I'm saying to you is that when men of God today answer the call, they join the ranks. Though you may not be called to preach, you are still called to be faithful. Therefore, you need to choose a side, preferably God's side, because here's the thing. You can't sit here tonight and go, you know, I'm just going to remain neutral in this battle. Well, you know what neutral means? Neutral just means this. You're just susceptible to false doctrine. Well, you know, preacher, you, I know you've got your thing, and that just kind of seems a little narrow, but I'm a little more open than that, and I want to read books and these kind of things and see what these guys have to say in YouTube and, and, and all of this stuff. Well, that, 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 okay, but here's the thing. You're sliding. You're sliding. Now, I'm not, not, not saying there aren't good preachers out there preaching the book just like I am. I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying this. When you're open to other versions and other men and other, and other doctrine and things like that, I'm saying to you, friend, you are already sliding. You're already sliding. You need to choose a side. How true the saying is, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for everything, fall for anything. And it's true, and it's especially true when it comes to false doctrine. And here's something else. Though you may not be called to preach, and I already mentioned this, but get behind the man of God when he stands for sound doctrine in the Word of God. Don't oppose him in those things. Well, preacher, you're just not loving and caring about people. No, I do love people, and I do care about people, and I do want people to be saved, and I do want people to join Faith Baptist Church, but what you have to understand is that we're not joining them, they're joining us. And there's a responsibility to stand for right, sound doctrine so that it does, false doctrine doesn't spread throughout our church. No, absolutely, absolutely. And here's the other thing. Don't throw away what God has done in your life for false doctrine. I think this is really, I mean, this, this too was what Paul was reminding Timothy of. And though God may not have called you to preach, God has still done a work in your life. You got saved. If you're here tonight and you trusted Christ as your Savior, He saved you. And what God has given you in salvation, it is not to be wasted on some, listen, on some false doctrine. You know what's funny? And, and I guess, I, I mean funny in an irony sense. A, a person that gets saved, he never gets saved as a Calvinist. He always gets saved as a Baptist who preached, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then after he becomes, you know, then after he gets saved, and then he starts reading a book written by a Calvinist about the Bible, and all of a sudden he becomes Calvinist. And says, you know, I guess it is God predestined some to heaven and God predestined some to hell. And then he quits witnessing to people and soul winning and doing the things that God's called him to do. You know, what, you know what that really is? That, that's, that's called wasting your salvation. You know, I like what Paul said when, when he said this, you know, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom, I, uh, of whom I am chief. Look at what he said in verse number 16. He said, how be it for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. You know what Paul will say? Paul was saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinner of whom I am chief. And you know one of the reasons why he saved me? He saved me so that I could be a pattern to other people to know that if he saved me, he can save them. 
And it sure is an awful waste when somebody gets saved and then they slide off into false doctrine and they become carnal or they become Calvinistic and they don't be and they're not being the witness that they need to be. They're not they're not allowing patterns to take place from their life where people get saved because of their testimony. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is this Timothy, choose a side, war a good warfare, get on God's side and stay there, and don't waste what God has done. In your life, like I am a pattern, you can be a pattern. And you can be one as well tonight. So you need to understand your calling tonight. You really do. You need to understand this tonight. Listen, we're called to be faithful. We're called to war a good warfare. But here's the second thing. Look at verse number 19. He says this, holding faith. And a good conscience. And he goes on down and begins to move into the examples of Hymenaeus and Alexander that we'll look at in a moment. But he says this. He says, Timothy wore a good war- warfare. And in verse 19 he says, and here, here's, here's how you do this. Holding faith and a good conscience. You know what I think he's saying here? He's saying this. Timothy, Timothy develop some convictions. Timothy, know your calling, but develop some personal convictions in your life. And you mentioned words like repentance and conviction, and people get scared. That's Bible. That's Bible. That's what the word holding here, it has the same idea as keeping and guarding. And and the word faith means our doctrinal stance, and the word conscience means this, a moral consciousness And all of this together is the idea of keeping sound convictions over doctrine and morality. That's what he's talking about. And again, I I realize this is in the context of Timothy and his place as a preacher, certainly to the church at Ephesus. However, listen to me, these things aren't just for the pastor and his family tonight. I'm going to tell you something, i got this underlined in my notes. And if you don't get anything else here tonight, you need to get this. Please listen to this. One of the most dangerous mindsets that has developed in our churches over the last several decades is the mindset that convictions over doctrine and morality are things for the pastor and his family only. It's not. It's not. And you know why? Because I said it a moment ago. Me and my family aren't the only ones going to be facing this stuff. You and your family are too. And you need to know what you believe and why you believe it. And, and because God's people, listen, and because God's people haven't chosen a side and they haven't resolved to get into the Word of God and to grow in their faith and live it out in their life, that is why so many in our day and time are being deceived by false doctrine. I have watched over the years, I have literally watched with my own eyes over the years as families, whether they be young or middle-aged or older, And they get caught up in foolish doctrine. And one of the biggest reasons is this. Watch this. It's because they aren't faithful to church. And they aren't walking with God. And they aren't developing any personal convictions in their life. And all of a sudden the devil sends one of his cronies by. And lures them off and away from with with some half truth. And they buy into it and go, yeah, that's what I've been looking for the whole time. Yeah, you've been looking for something that would tell you that it's okay to put God with the world and there you have it and there you go. How can you stand on something when you don't have anything to stand on? 
There's more, listen, there's more to it than, well, you know, this is what we've just always done. There's a little more to it than that. Well, this is what grandma and grandpa did. Well, that's great, but why do you believe what you believe? And if you're, listen, if you're going to war a good warfare, then you need to know these things. You, listen, you, I'm talking to you tonight, Faith Baptist Church, you need to develop some doctrinal convictions in your life. It shouldn't be just things that the pastor goes, boy, he's pretty convicted about it and stands on it. No, you need to develop some things as well. The word faith here implies, that's what the word faith here, when he says holding faith, that's what it implies in that verse. Yes, I realize through the scriptures that you see the word faith that often implies belief or trust in God's word, but it can also mean that which, is, that which encompasses the entirety of what we believe about God's word. I'll give you an example tonight, Faith Baptist Church. You know what we have? We have a statement of faith. You know what that statement is? It's, it's a statement about doctrines that we believe from the Bible. And I believe this is what Paul means when he says to Timothy to hold the, the faith. Timothy, it's not just what you believe about the gospel. You need to believe, listen, you need to hold to the faith everything, what you believe about the gospel, what you believe about the Bible, what you believe about the church, what you believe about the Lord's Supper, what you believe about baptism. Timothy, you need to hold on to all of those things. And I'm saying to you tonight, we need to learn those as well and hold on to them. You Listen, you, when I got saved, and I've, said, and I've told this story before, when I got saved, I got saved at the age of 20 in 1996, and my first two questions were, why are we, which, which church is the real church? I'm glad somebody put the, the, um, the, the trail of blood in my hand so I could see Baptist history come to life and go, mercy, that's why we are who we are. But my next question was this, why do we use the King James Bible? And I went up to my pastor, the one that I surrendered to preach to, and I guess I had just gotten saved and he thought maybe I was making trouble because I said, why do we use the King James Version of the Bible? And he said, because we use the King James Version of the Bible. And I went, okay. But you know what I was grateful for? I was grateful that there were men around me who knew my heart and understood. I was asking an honest question and they put good books in my hands so that I could go and read it and study it for myself. And and I'm very thankful for that. But you need to understand something. Those kind of answers aren't good. It's not good. It's not it's not good for a pastor to give his church well because we use the King James Bible, that's why. Because that's the way we've always done it. That's not good enough. Listen to me, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, that ain't good enough for you to give your kids that answer. It's not good enough. It's not good enough to give. You need to know why. And you need to know those things. You need to understand those things. You need to realize that there's a, there, there's a group of manuscripts that have been kept down through the ages called the Textus Receptus or the Received Text. And it was kept by the New Testament churches, Baptist churches, so that we could have the Word of God today. And they're still in existence, over 5,280 Greek manuscripts. And it's from those manuscripts that the authorized King James Version of the Bible was translated. And no other translation on the market, an English translation, no other English translation is translated from those manuscripts, and that includes the New King James Version of the Bible. They are all translated from the corrupt uh, Westcott and Hort Greek text, which they discovered 
in the late 1800s, all of a sudden God said, yep, here you go, English-speaking people. You can now have my word. He had been hiding out the whole time. That's not how our God works. Right. Last time I checked, he, he promised to preserve his word Amen. from this generation forever. And he's done that. And we've got it in the English language right there. But it's not just that. It's also the method by which it was translated. It's a word-for-word uh, translation as opposed to dynamic equivalency where the translator reads a paragraph and then he writes down what he thinks it said. I don't want what he thinks he said. I want what God said. And not only that, but the motive behind it. This is the only version of the Scriptures that doesn't have a copyright on it. All the other ones do. You know why? Because it's all about money. Not only, I mean, listen, we could go on tonight. What, what about the history of this book? The revivals, the countries, the lives, the churches that have been started from that book. I'd say to you tonight that its history proves its power. And not only that, but it was written at the height of the English language. It's not getting better. I mean, we're all going to be talking shorthand text messages. I'm not even going to laugh anymore. I'm just going to go LOL. Now, listen, I, 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 I hammer on that because I want you to know those things. Because that's the foundation, really. I mean, because that's our, that, that's our, you understand, that's our authority for faith and practice in the New Testament Scriptures. But it doesn't just stop there. You, you need to know. You need to know Scripture. You, you need to be able to take the Bible and show somebody how to be saved. You need to be able to learn the Romans roads and, and do those things. You, you need to be able to, listen, you need to be able to learn. Why do, we, why do we stand closed on the Lord's Supper, preacher? Why are we closed on that? Well, here's why, because the Bible teaches that. That's right. And you need to learn that. Well, why, why, are we, why are we the way we are on Baptist baptism, preacher? Well, here's why, because authority matters. And even Jesus brought that up. That's right. well, well, preacher, what, what, is a, what is a church? Is it some universal invisible? No! Amen. It's a local visible assembly of baptized That's believers. Right. Constituted together to carry out the Great Commission. Seems like you've probably heard that definition a time or ten. You need to learn these things. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. You need, you need to learn these doctrines. You need to learn them and you need to develop, and develop them and know, and, and know what you believe and why you believe it and see it from the Scripture. Preacher, why is our music the way, way it is? Why, why is our... Why, why is our why, why, what are the qualifications of a pastor? Huh. Well, I'm glad you asked. It's there in 1 Timothy 3. What about a deacon? Yep, it's there in 1 Timothy 3. Is anybody getting this? Paul's going to lay it out to Timothy on all this stuff. I think we ought to learn it too. You know, Paul would later on say this to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. The church is to be the pillar and ground of the truth. But it's not going to be that if we don't learn to stand on it. In fact, I'd even say this, we need to develop some moral convictions too in our personal lives. You know, this is what is meant by holding a good conscience. And the Bible isn't, listen, the Bible isn't just filled with how things in a church should be done decently and in order. Paul also would say this in 1 Timothy 3.15, before he said pillar and ground of the truth, he'd say, he'd say this, that thou, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. 
behave thyself. Have some moral conviction. Because here, watch this, because here's why. It's awfully hypocritical. If we claim to be the pillars and ground of the truth, but we're living like the world. And there, listen, there, there just should be some things tonight. I think this, is, this crowd would understand this. There should be some things that we understand. We're not to do as God's people anymore. There, there's a reason I stopped drinking alcohol when I got saved. And yet we got people today claiming to be Christian and going out and drink. Well, you know, you can drink in moderation. Nowhere does the Bible say anything like that. It's ungodly and it's wicked. There, there's a reason why. There's a reason, listen, there's a reason I don't get tattoos and piercings. I haven't got my Jesus tattoo yet. It's wicked. It's ungodly. It's against the Bible. There's a reason I dress like a man. There, there's a reason I don't go to certain places like movie theaters and dance clubs and things like that. There's just reasons for those things. Because I'm a child of God and I don't want to go to those places. I want to, I want to represent and honor my God, my Savior. But the Christian life isn't just about the things we don't do. It's also about the things we're supposed to do. There's also a reason why I'm in church on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. And, Sunday. and it's not just because I'm the pastor. I did those things before God called me to preach. There's a reason why... I read my Bible every day. There's a reason why I spend time in, in prayer every day. Listen, if you want to, if you want, if you want to war a good warfare, then I'm just telling you tonight, you've got to learn. You've got to learn what you believe and why you believe it from the Bible, but you've also got to learn to develop some personal convictions in your life. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. And then the last thing, here's what he says here. He says, holding faith and a good conscience which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck of whom is Hymenius and Alexander whom I have delivered unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. You need to know this tonight, child of God. You, you need to know that some have crashed in war and a good warfare. You need to know that. In this last part of this charge Timothy to, to Timothy to war a good warfare, Paul gives a couple of men who made shipwreck, he says, their faith. Hymenius and Alexander, but both, both by, by the way, will be also mentioned in 2 Timothy as well. Now you're going to understand why he says in verse 19, he says, holding faith and of a good conscience... And he's talking about doctrinal convictions and moral convictions, and here's why. Hymenius, according to 2 Timothy 2, 16 and 17, was a compromiser of doctrine. He says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy, 16, uh, 2 Timothy 2, 16 and 17. He says, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus. So Hymenius is mentioned there again along with another man, Philetus. Alexander was a compromiser of morality. In 2 Timothy 4, 14 and 15, he said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom, of whom be thou where also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. In the end, Paul says here in verse 20, 
He says, I've turned these men over to Satan. Some speculate this to mean that Paul dealt with them in their specific churches and placed them under church discipline. Most likely that, that is the case. They certainly deserve to, to be dealt with. But the overall point Paul is trying to give to Timothy is this, is that in warring a good warfare, there's going to be some soldiers that go AWOL. It's just going to happen, Timothy. And so you need to understand this. Here's what, here's what he's trying to get across to him. Watch this. Here's what he's telling Timothy, and this is what he's saying to us tonight. You know what he's saying? If you're warring a good warfare, you need to understand this. You're not above the rule. You're not above the rule for what happened to these two men to happen to you. If it can happen to these men... It can happen to Timothy, that's what he's saying here, and it can certainly happen to us. And so you know what that means? Here's what that means. You can't let your guard down. You can't let it down. You, 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 think, you sit back tonight and think, well, you know, you're just, you're narrow-minded, you don't listen, you don't, you don't do, you don't. There's a reason why I refuse to read certain books or to listen to certain podcasts. Oh, I've had guys send me stuff, and I'm like, why would I listen to that? I got better things to do in my life. I don't, the, and, and there's a reason why I don't hang out with certain preachers. There's a reason why. It's because I'm not interested in letting my guard down. You, you understand that? Be, because I, I don't, because here's the thing. When you do that, what you're doing is you're actually allowing, watch this, while you're trying to stand over here and war a good warfare, you're allowing influence from this side. Heard Arby Willette say this years ago at the men's advance one time, he said this, he said, in 20 years you will be most like the books you read and the friends you have. Now some 15 years later and I'm watching that truth come to light in so many lives of preachers and people of God. I Listen, I haven't changed. I appreciate the introduction Brother Bill Marshall gave to me the other night or the other morning when I was preaching the men's recharge. He said, the first time I met Brother West Stewart... He was at Berean Baptist Church, and he just seemed like a guy that was confident and that he knows what he believes and why he believes it. And over the years I've known him, he hasn't changed. No, I've just gotten older and more grumpier. Probably going to get worse. So you just going to drink more coffee. You know why? No, you really, you really want to know why? Here's why. Because I, I haven't hung out with men who changed their doctrine. Change their standards. Change their moral convictions. Am I getting this? That, that's why. But at the same time, watch this. I've watched other preachers dramatically change, and you know why? It's because they read books that they had no business reading. And it's because they hung out with old friends from Bible college who were changing their direction, and they started changing right along with those friends. I'm, listen, I'm telling you right now, if, somebody, if one of my friends, close friends, starts changing in their doctrine, I'm not going to sit back and cry and whine and, 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 and let them put the blame on me. Like, I can't believe you're just going to leave me. and leave. Listen, I'm not leaving you. You're leaving me. Yeah, that's 
You're the one parting from the faith. Don't try to guilt trip me into continuing a friendship with you so you can influence me to go with you in the false doctrine. I'm not doing it. Because there's one that I will give an account to one day, and it ain't going to be you. And he's the one that died for me and saved me. It wasn't, it wasn't you. But I, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you tonight, that's just my personal testimony. But, but here's the thing you also need to understand. It's not just preachers that I've watched change. I've watched people of God in the pews. I've watched them change. I've watched them change their convictions. I've watched them stop going to Bible-believing Baptist churches where they preach the Word of God and go somewhere else so that they can be entertained. Listen, I've, I've seen people turn into Calvinists because their friends turned into Calvinists. I, listen, I could give you testimonies tonight over and over and over again, but what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this. You cannot let your guard down. You can't let it down. If you want to war a good warfare, you can't. Nobody's above the rule here, but here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Listen to this. We cannot let the, the AWOL of others determine our faithfulness. You know, Paul was reminding Timothy, these, these two men, he's letting them know these things because, Timothy, you're not above the rule. What happened to them can happen to you. But, Timothy, you also need to understand this is just something that happens in ministry. And you can't let what happened to them determine your faithfulness. You need to still be faithful. Listen, I, I get it. Ministry is about people. It is. And I can sit here tonight with a whole lot of stories of going, mercy. I watch these people get saved, watch them get in church, then watch them get out of church because of false doctrine. Watch, watch these people get saved, watch them get in church, watch them get away from the things of God because of false doctrine. I can give you testimony and story after that all, all night long on these things. But I could also give you testimony of people that got saved. And they went all in for Jesus Christ. And they're still warring a good warfare. And they're still being faithful. Listen, praise God for numbers and all of that stuff. But listen to me. That's not what determines our faithfulness tonight. You know what determines our faithfulness? It's not a what. It's a who. And as he is faithful, you and I are called to be faithful. Can I ask you something tonight? Are you warring a good warfare? Are you warring? Are you developing some conviction in your life? over doctrine, morality? Are you keeping your guard up? Do you understand your call to me? That's what Paul's trying to get across. Folks, I'm telling you, I want to see Faith Baptist Church continuing to stand on the Word of God, to preach the Word of God, to see people saved, to see people added to us, to see young men called to preach, sent out. Amen. But that means we got to keep standing and warring. And we can't keep fighting. None of this fighting with one another. Nope. When the man of God stands up and opposes some things, let's be on the side of right. Amen. Let's be on the side of right. Let's all stand together.